Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Spirit of Grace Church. We're glad that you could join us on Facebook, and uh, we hope that you would find the presence of God very real and personal uh, at this moment. We're thankful for the many blessings of God. want us to just open with a word of prayer before we get into the word of the Lord and just ask God to minister to us. Lord, we love you and we praise you. I thank you for this opportunity to gather together. I pray, Lord, that you would just be with us as we share your word. I pray, God, that you would speak through us and to us and allow uh, everything to work out according to your will and your plan. Lord, we submit ourselves to you tonight to hear your voice. Lord, I ask you to uh, silence all of the other voices that are in our lives right now and just help us to open up our understanding to the the still small voice of the Lord. We'll be careful to give you praise and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Welcome to uh, Facebook and to Zoom. And then later on, we'll put this out on YouTube as well. We want to thank you for sharing it uh, to YouTube, uh, our channel. You can search Spirit of Grace Church, Minnesota. And uh, we're starting to put everything out on that as well as being able to uh, put it on our podcast as well. So God bless you all. Uh, I'm going to be reading from two passages of, of Scripture, so if you want to flip over to them, one is Matthew 5 and one is Revelation 2. And uh, I want to make a couple of statements before I get into this. I don't usually get involved in uh, end-time prophecy uh conflict or controversy or discussion because, as I've said in time past, the biggest reason is because there's so many different viewpoints that sound good, and I believe that there's a reason why we can't figure it all out specifically um, because the Lord doesn't want us to. He wants us to just be in the present, ready for his return at any moment. Uh, but I want to encourage you uh, to be wise in your listening, in your watching, in your reading. All over the internet, uh, you can find different speakers and teachers and preachers that are uh, out there teaching different things, different mindsets, and in some cases uh, causing fear in others or in some. And we don't want to be a, a proponent of fear. Uh, we want to let people know that Jesus is real. Uh, the whole purpose of the book of Revelations is not to unmask the end time and not to unmask Satan. It's to reveal Jesus Christ. So if you're out there listening to it, I don't want you to get discouraged. I don't want you to get fearful. I know there's a lot of conversation out there with the vaccine and with the chip that's been proposed in some areas and the mark of the beast and all of those things. I want you to rest assured that the mark of the beast and those kinds of things are not going to take the church by surprise. Uh, I believe very wholeheartedly, for instance, the beginning of that whole process uh, of, of accepting that is going to be a declaration of worshiping uh, the beast. And so uh, my suggestion and my encouragement to you is don't focus so much on what's happening as in focusing on Jesus. Uh, if your hand is in the hand of the master, everything's going to work out. You don't need to be fearful. These times don't need to cause fear. They don't need to cause hesitation. Jesus is still in control. 
This isn't the first epidemic or pandemic in the history. God's been there for every one of them. God has walked every trial, every tribulation, every situation, every war, every pestilence, every plague, every one of them. The one constant is that Jesus has always been there and is always there. So don't uh, be discouraged. Don't get fearful. Just stand strong in the true nature of who Jesus is, and everything's going to work out for the glory of God. And so having said that, I am going to speak from Revelation, and probably for the next couple of weeks, uh, should the Lord tarry and continue to lead me down this, this direction, because as I was studying this week, I felt the Lord impress me. I don't want to spend all of my energies as a speaker or a preacher, pastor, in dealing with this pandemic. I'm, I'm pretty much done with the pandemic. Uh, it, it's, it's, it has been irritating at times, frustrating at times, um, depressing at times. But uh, in other words, I don't want to be a preacher that every message is about the pandemic. But I do want to say that out of this pandemic, I believe God is doing something and speaking something into the heart of his people and into the spirit of his people. And what I felt this week was God saying, listen, you started speaking a couple of weeks ago about freedom, that the freedom begins with the name of Jesus on our lips and it's completed with the nature of Jesus in our hearts. And uh, so I got to thinking about that a little bit more and Jesus gives us a glimpse into his nature uh, and into his characteristics. And he's wanting those characteristics and that nature to come out of the church. So if we are going to be the church, if we're going to do what God wants us to do, God is going to lead us to figure out what his character is, what his uh, qualities are. And there's a scripture in the book of Revelation that talks about the seven spirits of God doesn't mean that they that and there's theologians that have tried to connect the seven spirits of God to a passage in Isaiah chapter 11 as well as some other areas but I felt the Lord uh, minister to me that those seven spirits of God are partly the characteristic or the expression of who Jesus is and I want to share with you what those expressions or qualities are and how they tie together for the church. And I believe that Jesus did this by starting his ministry. We call it the Beatitudes. And he shared some characteristics and qualities that, that he wanted us as the church and as the body of Christ to express. And in, the, in doing so, then coming the book of Revelation, he closes out by talking to seven churches. And in those seven churches, he reveals qualities that he's looking for in you and I in this last day. I believe it's the last day. I've heard that my entire life. So the last day could be a thousand years until Jesus comes. I don't know. Uh, the, Jesus told us no man knows the day nor the hour. And so it could happen tonight. It could happen tomorrow. It could happen uh, in my lifetime. It could happen three generations from now. I don't know when the Lord's going to come back, but uh, we have to live like it's the end time, like he's coming back at any moment. And so in this day and age, I believe that God is reaching into the spirit and the core of his people, trying to extract or pull out or identify his characteristics in us uh, so that he can uh, reveal himself to the world. 
I've, I've begun to look at this pause, if you will, in life where everything is, is just kind of stopped and starting and it's coming back together. But I believe that the Lord, and this is my own, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm talking prophetically, I'm not sure, but I'm not talking like God specifically, you know, stuck his head out of the clouds and said, pastor, say this. But I do believe that God is wanting to give humanity at least one more opportunity to be washed and cleansed by the precious blood of the Lamb and to draw them and give them another opportunity, at least one more opportunity to come to the full knowledge of who he is and submit to him and his goodness and his kindness. And he can only do that through a church that is expressing the qualities of who he is. We are, according to the New Testament, we are the epistle to the people. You and I are what God is using to speak to other people, to minister to other people, to represent the, the, the power and the qualities of Jesus Christ to those that don't know him. And so at the beginning of his ministry and at the end of the Bible, he gives some qualifications or some uh, qualities, if you will, of recognizing who he is and what he wants in us. And so I want to start with this first quality tonight. In Matthew chapter 5, verse number 3, uh, it's the Beatitudes, and it just says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are the poor, the King James Version says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And uh, I believe that God wants us to learn how to be poor. And uh, that goes against everything that America stands for. In fact, we are a country that has been built throughout its history on people coming from places, some political oppression, spiritual oppression, but a lot of people have come to America simply to get out of poverty and uh, because they've heard of the American dream where anything can, can happen. You can own your own business, you can make money, you can buy your own property, you can do all these things. And so people from all around the world have come to uh, America trying to find and escape poverty. But Jesus is asking the church, he's asking you and I tonight to do the exact opposite of that mindset. He's saying we need to become poor in spirit. We need to become those of poverty. And what I mean by that is I believe that the, the poor in spirit or the spirit of poverty, if you will, is something that reduces you and I to utter dependence on him. Reduces you and I to utter dependence on him. He wants to get us to that place. Listen, if there's anything that we've learned over the last two months is that we can't trust our government, we can't trust our, our companies, our jobs. We can't trust the things that we would normally lean on. We can't trust in the paycheck that may dry up. It may not show up. We can't trust in the things that, that we would rely on normally as Americans and as people. We have to learn to things have been stripped away, moved away, uh, and, and God has moved us to a place where we have to be cognizant of what we're doing, where we're going in him because he's the one that we're relying on. And uh, really, this concept of the poverty of spirit is in total opposite of the business model um, that we have gone by. 
we're taught from a very young age, and, and I've said this before in, in church, in, in my teaching and preaching, we do everything opposite of the Lord. Uh, I don't know where that came from, but somehow in humanity, we've done everything basically the opposite the way that God intended. We are taught from, you know, basically from birth that if you assert yourself and you give, your, give it 110%, you can accomplish anything that you want to. And so if you just assert yourself, you can learn how to walk. If you assert yourself, you can learn how to talk. If you assert yourself, you can learn how to ride a bike. If you assert yourself, you can learn how to get through school. If you assert yourself, you'll get a job and you'll, and you'll go up the corporate ladder. If you assert yourself, you can do whatever you want to do. And, uh, and, and that's the mentality and the mindset that we are raised on and it is ingrained in us. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe that we need to be assertive. I believe that you know, we don't just sit back and wait for things to happen. But when it comes to spiritual things, Jesus is asking us, he's saying, I don't want you to assert yourself. I want to, you to reduce yourself. I want you to become low so I can become big. You see, the smaller we are, the bigger he can be. The bigger we are, the smaller he has to be. We put him into a box when we think we're bigger than he is. And, and so in this whole season of this pandemic, what we're really doing is God is trying to, to get our attention to say, listen, reduce yourself, come down, strip away all of the things that you're used to leaning on until you get to the point where all you have left is to ask. All you have left is to ask, reduce. Blessed are the poor in spirit, or the way the New Living Translation said it, the poor and those that are needing help. We've got to realize and recognize that we cannot do this on ourselves. We can't be what God designed us to be on our own. And so um, I, I said that these are characteristics or qualities that Jesus Christ had in wanting us to express his character to others. So my question tonight, or, or my statement, I guess it's rhetorical since we're not together uh, live, uh, we're just here virtually, and that is simply this, how is Christ poor or God poor? If he's got the spirit of poverty, it kind of goes against everything that we're taught or we think of God. You know, we think, well, he's the, he owns it all. He's, he's got a cattle on a thousand hills. All the earth is his and the fullness thereof. And, and so how is he uh, poor? How does he produce poverty, if you will? There is a sense that Jesus Christ, God himself, understood what it meant to be poor. And it's in this sense. God is poor in this sense. He holds nothing back. Instead, he is continually giving himself away. I want to say that again. God reveals his poverty or his poorness in spirit in the fact that he doesn't hold anything back. He gives everything he has away. It's the, it's the difference between stockpiling things and emptying things. I want you to think about all time and eternity, everything that this world has produced. If God would have stockpiled it all and not given to, he'd have worlds upon worlds of stuff in it. But because he gave it away, because he gave it to you and I, because he's blessed you and I with it, he's constantly giving himself to us. In fact, if you read Philippians 2, the Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And it goes on to show how Christ emptied himself, gave away all of his prerogatives uh, as God and died on a cross for us. He gave everything away. He emptied himself out to us 
And so how are you and I poor in spirit? How you and I take on the spirit of poverty in the way that Christ did, in the way that Christ revealed the quality of his very nature in emptying himself to others. Do you hoard things to yourself? Do you stockpile your blessings or do you receive your blessings with the idea or the mindset that every blessing I receive, I'm able to bless somebody else with? You see, the purpose of our blessing is never for us to stockpile it. The purpose of our blessing, God does not bless Dead Sea people. He blesses Galilee people. And the difference is, is the Dead Sea doesn't have an outlet where the Sea of Galilee has an outlet. The Sea of Galilee, if you read my devotion a couple days ago, the Sea of Galilee is, is flush with vegetation. People enjoy it. It's one of the most beautiful places in that area. And the Dead Sea is totally the opposite. It's, it's dead. There's no living thing. There's nobody that goes and has a beach party at the Dead Sea. It's dead. And, um, and God is letting us know, even geographically, this is what I want my people to be. I don't want you to be Dead Sea people. I want you to be Sea of Galilee people. I want to bless you with the sole purpose of you being a conduit of blessing others. And when you take the blessings that God gives you and you share those blessings with somebody else, you are accomplishing and fulfilling the scripture in Matthew, the beatitude, the quality that Christ possesses and wants his church to possess in being poor in spirit or the spirit of poverty. Now, you can do that out of habit, but that's not what God is wanting. He's wanting you to do it out of love. And see, parents should be able to get this concept better than some other people because there are things we do as moms and dads that in some cases would be considered a sacrifice. Um, we work long hours. We do different things. We, we sacrifice some things in order for our children to hopefully have it better than we had it. Uh, every generation wants the next generation to always far exceed. I want my boys to become greater than their mother and I. I want them. I want to give them the tools necessary for them to flourish in whatever God has for them. And my sacrifice isn't done out of denial of myself necessarily, but it's done out of a desire to bless somebody else. So the poorness in spirit or the spirit of poverty isn't this self-denial saying, woe is me and a self-pity kind of poorness. It is a desire in us to continually empty ourselves out for somebody else, to take that which comes inside of us and pushes out to somebody else. Listen, when we do finally are finally able to get back together live, we've got to come back, not with the idea that we're returning to a building so that God can fill us up so we can feel the blessings of God, but that we can come together and become a greater conduit for the blessings of God to flow in us and through us to somebody else. I want my ministry to affect people that I don't know. I want you to take my ministry and share it with somebody else. I want to take your ministry and share it with somebody else. I want to connect people with people because that's what God wants us to do is to be a blessing to others. And when we do that, what we are really doing is expressing the concept of being poverty uh, or having the spirit of poverty or being poor in spirit. And when that happens, you get the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is yours as you give out that which God has poured in. 
And, and, and I, I challenge you to just try it. Try to bless somebody the rest of sometime in this week. And I know we're still at the safe at home or stay in Minnesota, whatever the thing is that the, the governor has called it. And, and we're a little bit still distanced. And, but a phone call, an email, a drive-by blessing, whatever you can do, just try to give something away and see how much better you feel. The reason why you'll feel better, whether they receive it or not, is because you have enacted the kingdom of heaven in your life by giving away the blessing that God has poured into you. And so that brings me over to really where that's the beginning of his ministry, coming to the end where he speaks to the, to the apostle John in the book of Revelations. I'm re reading to from the second chapter of, of Revelations, and there's seven churches that uh, the Lord speaks to, and he says this to John, write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know all the things you do. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles, but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. The church of Ephesus had to have started just by inference. The church of Ephesus um, started with a love of God a love of Jesus. When that church was founded, there was a mighty move of the Holy Ghost in their midst. And when that begins to happen, uh, they fall in love with him and they just get so excited and they start doing all kinds of things. But to notice that in order to get to that very first place, they have to express poverty of spirit. They have to empty themselves. They have, in order to start anything with Jesus, you have to empty yourself and say, here am I. I, I, I don't have anything to offer but me. So now that I'm here, God, do what you want with me. And uh, it's, the, it's, it's a poverty of spirit. But something happened with them as they began to grow as a church, as they began to grow as Christians, that first excitement of love for God and for others that first influx of the power and the presence of God that came into their lives, all of a sudden turned from a love to a habit. They were busy doing God's works. And not only God's works, but good works. I mean, listen to it. Jesus is telling them, man, you did a good thing. I, I see you, 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 you had hard work. You even had patient endurance. How many of us can say that that is us, patience and endurance? Uh, you don't tolerate evil people. You stay away from that which is evil. You, you examine false prophets. You've discovered that they're liars. You patiently suffered uh, for Jesus without quitting. I mean, in today's age, if Jesus showed, stuck his head out of the clouds and said, Spirit of Grace Church, these are all the things I know you guys are doing great at. And it, we would say, man, that, our church is awesome. And our church is fantastic. And maybe even others would say, man, look at that church. They're doing this, 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 and this. They're meeting this need, this need, and this need. And the church in Ephesus was doing that. But Jesus said something here that I want you to listen against. 
verse number two, the first two words of verse number two. He says, I know. I know. Jesus knew beyond the impressive works, the impressive things that the church was doing, that the Christians of Ephesus were doing. He understood all the things that he was involved in, and he was excited about that. But he said, I know, I know all those things. But I also know that behind all the things that you're doing, a cancer has taken, uh, taken hold, and that cancer is literally attacking your vital organs. And that cancer was simply this. They had left their first love. First love and poverty of spirit are almost equivalent terms. First love always, the first love experience, always wants to give away yourself to somebody else or to something else. And the, the, the Jesus said, you're doing all these great things, but I have something against you because you've left your first love, which means all of the things that you're doing now, you're not doing them with the right motivation. You're not doing them with the right thing. This happens to just about every married couple. I'll say it happens to every married couple, okay? Just to cover all the bases. It happens to the best of us and the worst of us. But when we first start dating or we first start courting, oh man, it doesn't matter what they ask, you're going to do it. Uh, I've tried some of the spiciest foods just to please my wife when we first started dating until she figured out I was going to cry like a baby. Then she had mercy on me. And, uh, but, but I mean, you just think about it. That engagement ring, it doesn't matter how much it costs when you're trying to get their hand. It doesn't matter how much you're doing it out of love for them. You want to express the love that's built up inside of you. You're wanting to express that to somebody else. But then after you're married, after a little bit of time, if you don't watch yourselves, all of a sudden that love kind of diminishes and now you start thinking more about yourself and you think about, well, I, I, I paid that much for an engagement ring. And, and, and we do the same thing with the Lord. We are all excited and it's, it's a seasonal thing with the Lord. God does some things in our hearts and we are on fire to love, to worship. Um, uh, Dwayne and Carol are on with us on Zoom for those of you. And so I'm not saying this because it's them, okay? But I, it's the example that I could come up with. And that is I've had, uh, I've been in the ministry now since 1988 and, and I've watched people that come to the Lord and they get so excited about God and, and, and they're, Pastor, I, I want to do something. Just let me do absolutely anything. And uh, I've just got to be a part. I've just got to do something. And uh, so I, I remember this happened earlier in our ministry. We were like, okay, well, we do need to have a doorkeeper. We do need to have somebody that would welcome some people and close things up after the service. And and, and so they were like, oh, yes. And, and they, it starts off and they're all excited and they go and they start keeping the door and they are the best at it and, and they are the greatest at it. And as the church grew, we started building a staff around them. And all of a sudden they began to think, oh, wait a minute, I have a little bit more than just being a doorkeeper now. I'm doing this and this and this. And, and now when I'm not shown appreciation and well, that, per, that saint didn't even say hello to me. And, 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 all, and so what's happened? They're still doing the work of God. They're still greeting. They're still opening the door. They're still being a doorkeeper. But the motivation behind it has waned. And the love of just doing something for Jesus has been replaced by doing a duty to oneself. 
And that's what was happening in the Ephesus church. And I believe that God is trying to get the attention of his people tonight to say, listen, you're doing such great things. You have been doing such great things. But could it be that your motivation was shifting? Could it be that your motivation was going from, I'm just doing this as unto the Lord, to I'm doing it because it's expected of me. I'm doing it because I want to have the right kind of church. I'm doing it because I want the pastor to notice me. I'm doing it because I want Joe Schmo to notice me and to, to pat me on the back. When that begins to happen, that what, 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 what that begins to happen is when Jesus begins to complain about what we're doing. And Jesus begins to let us know that we have failed to do the work of the Lord. Here's, let me put it to you in, in terms that I understand. Um, and, and that is simply this. He was complaining that the work of God had become more important than the God of the work. Let me, I'll say that again. He was complaining that the work of God had become more important than the God of the work. Could it be that in this season, God is trying to draw us back simply to him? I want to worship him. I want others to see me worship him, not so that they see me, but so they see him. I want to minister to others, not so somebody pats me on the back, but because I want to do it unto the Lord. I want to love Jesus with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And because I want to love him that much, I want to have the poverty of my spirit to overcome me and get down in my face before him again and repent and say, God, forgive me, reignite that passion for you in me so that I can effectively reflect the characteristic or the quality of your spirit in me. You see, Jesus made a startling statement here. In verse number one, it lets us know that Jesus is the center of the lampstand and that each candle or if you will, or each lamp was one of the churches that we're gonna probably discuss here in the next couple of weeks. And this lamp, this one lamp is the lamp of Ephesus and notice that what God says at the end of the passage that we read, if you don't repent, I will remove your lampstand or your lamp from the lampstand. What, what is he really saying? He's saying, Jesus is saying this, I can't have people reflecting the wrong reflection on me. I can't have the wrong light shining on me. I've got to have the correct light shining on me. And that light has to be light that I put into my people. And as it comes out of me, it shines to the person that's standing in the midst of the lampstand. And God is calling us. Here's what I believe so strong. And this is what excited me so much about tonight's message is I believe that God has designed us and God is calling us and God is trying to get our attention to say, listen, in the midst of the darkness, I need a shining light not a light to draw attention to my works or your works in me, but to draw a light unto me. I'm the only one that can save people. I'm the only one that can change people. I'm the only one that can sanctify and cleanse. I'm the only one that can give hope. I'm the only one that can shed mercy and grace. I'm the only one that can do that. And so I need you as my followers to reflect that to others so they see me and not you. Can I just tell you, I don't want people even to see Spirit of Grace Church. I want them to see God in Spirit of Grace Church. 
I want them to see the power and the moving and the atmosphere and the presence of God as it moves so strongly among us and not only among us when we're together, but through us as individuals while we go to work and, and while we're online and while we're dealing with people at the grocery store and in the neighborhood. We want to be a light that God is using to reflect himself to others. Because as much as I would like to encourage somebody, as much as I would like to, uh, to lift somebody up, ultimately the only one that can be the lifter of the soul is Jesus. I've got to get people to Jesus. Uh, I've said it this way several times, and, and, and I'm coming to a close tonight. Um, I learned a long time ago in the ministry that I needed to stop answering one of the questions. I felt the Lord tell me, Tim, you've got to stop answering this question or trying to answer that. And I've shared with this with the church before, but the question is, is Tim, how am I supposed to be saved? And the Lord spoke to me one day when I was struggling with that. And, and, he, and he whispered into my spirit, if you will, and he said, it's not your job to tell somebody how to be saved. The only thing you can do is plant and water. I give the increase. I can't tell you how to be saved. What I can tell you is how to get to Jesus. How do you get to Jesus? Repent. How do you get to Jesus? Be baptized. How do you get to Jesus? Find a place of prayer. How do you get to Jesus? Embrace him and all of his word and all of his people as much as you can. How do you get to Jesus? Turn your eyes not upon the things around you, but on the things above you. Look unto the hills from whence cometh your help. Lift up your head, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. My job as a Christian, my job as a pastor, my job as a church is to introduce you to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I want to introduce you to the first, the last, the beginning, the end, that which was and is and is to come. I want to introduce you to the one that's in control of all things. He is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He is Jehovah Nisi, my banner. He is Jehovah Shalom, my peace. He can do everything. He's the great shepherd, the great judge. He's the great physician. He's the great everything. He is the I am that I am, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. He is the one that gives and the one that takes away. He's the one that has all dominion and authority and power. He's the one that controls all things in him and through him are all things. He's the one that I need to introduce you to. I need you to give get a hold of Jesus tonight and not a hold of the works of Jesus. I just need you to get a hold of Jesus. Tonight, God is calling us, I believe in a mighty way, to reintroduce ourselves to him and say, listen, Lord, I have, I have walked away from you. I haven't backed. I've been doing your work, but I've gotten so busy doing your work that I forgot the, the owner of the work. And God just flood my soul again. Draw me back into your arms one more time. Let me sense the strength of your embrace. Let me hear your heartbeat. Let me just find the peace that passes all understanding in the midst of everything we're going through. Because my friend, as we come out of this, whatever that may be, we aren't going to have time to build back up. We're not going to have time to ramp up our, our abilities and our emotions and our anointing. We're not going to be able to take six months to get it to where we can release Christ to our communities. We're going to have to hit the ground running. 
We're going to have to hit the ground on fire, full of faith, full of the Holy Ghost, full of the characters and the characteristics and the qualities of Christ coming from us, bursting from us. The, the freedom is, is the name of Jesus on our lips, the nature of Christ in our hearts. We need to have his nature coming out of us from the get-go. As soon as we're able to talk to people and minister to people, even now in, in this time of separation, it's God calling us. Hey, listen, I want to use you in a mighty way. Don't shy away from reflecting me to those that don't know me. Praise God. Can you tell I'm a little excited about it? Listen, when Jesus begins to speak, it gets exciting to listen. And uh, every time in the book of Revelation here, Jesus closes out, he says, anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand. I pray that your spirit is hearing, not just your ears tonight, but that your spirit is hearing and understanding what God is trying to speak into us and release into us. Oh, I want to be the power and the force of the expression of God. I, I, I really am not interested in, in people knowing who we are just because who we are. I, I, want to, I, I want people to know who we are because of who he is. In Jesus' name. I don't know where all of you are at tonight. I don't know what's all going on in your lives. I, I have some ideas. <clears throat> but I, I, I want you just to know that Jesus has it all in control. And uh, I just feel like we're at that stage where things are shifting. There's a shifting in the spirit. Even after hearing the news today of where we're at as a state, there's a shifting in the spirit. There's something happening that's exciting to me, and it's getting ready to explode spiritually. And I believe that God's going to do something incredible. Would you just close your eyes wherever you're at and, and allow the presence of God to flood your soul right now? Just reach out and, and, and try and just ask him, Lord, just embrace me. I want to sense you right now. Jesus, I'm asking you to go into every home right now. I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to let each person feel the tangible strength and the embrace of the master. I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to go before us and behind us and on each side. I'm asking you, Lord God, to give strength and dominion and power. Lord, I submit myself once again to you. I submit myself to your presence, to your power, to your anointing. I give you praise and glory and honor and thanksgiving. Lord, should you tarry, draw us back together this weekend and allow the wonderful presence and power of God to be felt and ministered all across this country. Lord, I'm asking you to use us in the next couple of days to reflect your power and presence. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen. Thank you for being with us on Facebook. We hope to see you Sunday. Uh, we'll probably air our service approximately 1130. And uh, we're looking forward to a great weekend in the presence of God. God bless you all.